good to be with you this morning. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Says there's an army rising up. Break every chain. Break every. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. It's good to be with you this morning. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm not here by myself. use this. Turn off that mic. It's not functioning sure. well. We just replace it this week, but it's still not working well. Yeah. That's all right. There you go. There you go. There is a word from the Lord. You are apt. I'm just reminding you. <laughs> it's found, it's found. I love this church. It's found in Joshua uh, chapter 3. If you brought your Bibles or your iPad or your iPhone, would you turn with me uh, to Joshua chapter 3? If you don't mind, once you find it, would you say amen and stand to your feet as we read the word of the Lord? If you're able this morning. Okay, I'll take uh, permission to start reading. We're going to start at uh, verse 1 in chapter 3, okay? Joshua is right after Deuteronomy, guys. Uh, so it's toward the beginning of your Bible. We're in the third chapter. The first verse. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. Somebody say crossing over. Doing well. Verse 14 
let's get to verse 14. It says, when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the time of harvest. When those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, they and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the waters. The waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that was beside Gerasim. While those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. And the people crossed over opposite to Gerasim. While all Israel was crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground. Somebody say dry ground. In the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. Let's keep reading. Chapter, chapter 4. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Select twelve men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood. Carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the twelve men from the Israelites whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, each one of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in the times to come, what do these stones mean to you? And you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When you cross over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. For these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. Let's skip ahead to verse 20. We're now a little bit here. Those 12 stones which they had taken out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Somebody say Gilgal. Saying to the Israelites, when your children ask their parents in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell your children. Israel cross over the Jordan here on dry ground. The Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you cross over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we cross over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. seats in the presence of the Lord. Y'all did well standing and reading out of the text. I'm going to talk to you for just a little while this morning about Paloma's question. Paloma's question. What Aaron didn't mention to you all is uh, where we met. Uh, we met at sort of Thank you. One of the things I do to help pass the time, and Brother Bill, 
at Fuller, where I work as a teacher in a Quaker school in Pasadena. I work there tutoring in kindergarten and some fifth grade in English and math. And I also work as a yard instructor there every day for a couple of weeks. But one of the things we do uh, once a week is we have what's called a park day. And so uh, you can imagine me and a couple of parent volunteers, we're walking to the local neighborhood park to get our kids some exercise. So uh, we have about 20, 30 kids, uh, ages five and six, and we get head to the park to get them in shape. So I have them all line up in this uh, local park called Villa Park in uh, Pasadena. We have them all line up. I used to be a young Marine, so I, with kids, I kind of have them lined up, and I have a regimen for them with push-ups and cherry pickers and what we call uh, side straddle hops. If anybody's military, you'll know what that means jumping jacks. And uh, we have them prepared for a little bit of a uh, little bit of PT. If any of you have signed up ever for a boot camp or LA Fitness, you know what I'm talking about. Right? Five-year-olds have gotten ready to get in shape. I made one mistake though. I asked because I'm progressive. I asked, does anybody have any questions? <laughs> I live in constant tension between being authoritarian and progressive. And so uh, this little uh, Latina Nina we have, her, na her name is Paloma. Her name means dove in Spanish, so not always uh, dove, dove. She raises her hand, and with this uh, kind of uh, coy look on her face, she says, well, you asked if you think I'd be interested. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? This is Paloma's question. This morning, there are bands of people gathering throughout this society. And these are gathering around the country, even around the globe. Some of them are gathering in secret. Others of them have the privilege, like we do, to put a sign out front and publicly declare that we are and yet I hear in our text this morning and I hear in the life this morning of Paloma's question ringing urgently in, in our ears. Simple question is, why are we doing this? Aaron told me this is her life engaging question, so I thought Paloma's question was a bit of a time bomb. If you'll allow me, I'm going to be old fashioned and I'm going to look at about three things that I see in this text this morning. If you'll pray with me. The first is, I see that in this text there are so many horrific stones of memory, stones of memory. Can you say that please? Stones of meaning, stones of memory, and stones of mission. 
one more time. Stones of meaning, stones of memory, stones of mission. We got you here today. Let's pray. It's an everlasting to everlasting you. Father, we thank you this morning. have stones of meaning set. Chapter 4, verse 6, and chapter 4, verse 20, both make it clear that there's something about this text, if you're tracking with me, that suggests that there's meaning behind these stones. Chapter 4, verse 6, we hear Paloma asking this question, why are we doing this? It says, when your children ask you in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? And you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Verse 21, we read, we'll start at verse 20. Joshua says, these 12 stones which they had taken out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal, saying to the Israelites, when your children ask their, their parents in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell the children of Israel across the Jordan on dry ground. What is the text saying to us? What is it that we are to learn? How is it that we are to live based upon what the scripture is teaching us this morning? And I hear that there is a meaning behind these stones. If you allow me this morning, I want to just share with you one meaning that I think I see in the text. I see it in verse chapter 6, where right before we talk about meaning, Joshua says, so that this may be a what? Anybody with me? A sign among you. That this may be a sign among you. And I ask that question, what kind of sign, Lord, is it that you're showing us in this text? And I feel like I heard the voice of the Lord say to me when praying about this text, what this sign is, is it's a sign of God's second chance. It's a sign of God's second chance. How many of you realize this morning that we serve a God of a second chance? That was your opportunity right there to smile, to clap, to shout, to say hallelujah, to say amen. We serve a God of a second chance. Now, I'm not speaking to you if your life has been peachy. And if you haven't had any problems, but if you're like Doug or if you're like Armando that we prayed with or if you're like the child that I heard that got stung by a bee, you know that you need a God of a second chance. If you stepped into the dark despair or the dark pit or the dark abyss of doubt, then you realize that you need a God of a second chance. And maybe the person sitting next to you, not you, sitting next to you has been in that place where you've wondered and you've doubted, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Why am I going through this? But you've seen the hand of God by his grace extend to you a chance, a second chance, a third chance, 
six instead of like a fifth and a sixth serve. Oh, I'm so thankful this morning that we serve God as a second chance. For those of you, where are my Bible scholars out here this morning? I know, I know there are a couple of you because I, I took classes with a couple of you in seminary. Some of you will realize that this isn't the first time that this particular group of Israelites have been in this place. Uh, there's, there, there's been a time in the past where the people of God had been to the water's edge, looking at the promised land. Okay, that's Bible scholar. Fine. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some of you who remember a little, a little movie from the '80s. And I, looking from the '80s, you folks are here. You ought to realize or remember that there was a movie back in the '80s. We called it what? The Ten Commandments. And there was a man. His name was Charlton. I mean Moses, that stood at the water's edge with the people looking to the promised land. This is not the first time, friends, that this people have been at the water's edge looking at the promised land. But yet, but yet, but yet, but yet, we sang a song that there's an army rising up. This is not the first generation of Israelites. This is the next generation of Israelites. This is the next generation. There's a reason why I brought this message to you this morning. I want you to listen, if you would, to the words of an aging Moses. If you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31 quickly. Let's listen to Moses as he says in verse 2. You got me behind me? We up? Praise God. Moses says, I am now 120 years old. No longer able to get about. The Lord has told me you shall not cross over this Jordan. Somebody say this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over before you. He will destroy the nations before you and you shall dispossess them. I like that part, but let's go. Joshua also will cross over before you as the Lord promised. How many of you realize that the work that the Lord has for his people is not a one generational work? The work that he has for his people is a work of a second chance. It's the work of a second generation, maybe even a third generation. I, I, raise your hand. I don't know. Some of you may be living out your mom's or your dad's second chance. Some of you are living in California because you're living out your grandfather's or your great-grandfather's second chance. How many of you realize that the work of God and the people of God is a work? a second chance. It's one of the things I love so much about what Aaron has shared with me. And I remember four years ago, I came to this church with some friends of mine, Aaron, uh, Sam and Priya Theophilus, and I saw what the Lord was doing with a wise group of elders from a previous generation who said, I can't do this on my own. I can't carry this on my own. But I know how to select 12 people and that are willing to carry some stones. I, I know how to see that the baton needs to be carried. I, I know that I serve a God of second chance. And so I hear Paloma's question in my mind this morning and in this text this morning asking me, why aren't we doing this? And I, I have an answer for you, Paloma. That answer so far is that it's because these stones have names. The God we serve is a God of second chance. So that's the 
That's not all I see in the text. Are you with me, Church Stewart? That's not all that I see in the text this morning. I also see the concern of God who gives us stones of memory. Say stones of memory. Tap the person next to you and say, he's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. Stones of memory. We know that we live in a city where people love to come to forget. Us, myself included. I left real estate after five years because I felt like God was calling me to go and do something else. So many of us come to LA not to remember who we are, but to forget part of our story. Yet in this text this morning, I see that memory is such an important part of how community is shaped. Memory is such an important part of how we know who we are. Everybody has a story. Everyone has a story. And we can never forget who we are. My friends, we can never forget whose we are. We're going to begin together in just about, what, 15 minutes. And some of you guys have already forgotten the text that we read. And the rest of you have forgotten the point that we just did, even though we've been repeating it over and over again. But I swear to you, I declare to you, I admonish you, memory is important. I know we serve in an age, we live in an age where, I mean, nobody knows, well, you might still remember your father and your mother's cell phones or your homes or your, or your first home when you were six and had to remember it. Some of you who are sitting next to each other who are even married might even love your husbands. Memory plays an important part in who we are as a people. In fact, the word remember occurs in the Hebrew Bible 139, 137 times. God says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Remember who you are. Oh, remember who you were before you got to Glenview. Before you got to LA, remember Glenview. Friday, some of us uh, took time to remember Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated in Brazil. And you can imagine what it was like to snuck out the age of us children. Betty Shabazz, or Merle Evers, or Medgar Evers, or Nanny Ellenberg, or Fannie Lou Hamer, or, or Bayard Rustin, or, 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 or James Earl Chaney, 
black man who, 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 who was killed with two white men, Angie Goodman and Michael Swarner in Philadelphia, Mississippi in 1964, arriving in Stevensville. What is our knowledge of history? What is our lack of knowledge of history? And say about who we are as the people of God. I'm just saying the memory shapes us. I was uh, listening to NPR this past week, and I heard that there's this new movie that's coming out about Cesar Chavez, that uh, great farming organizer. But then I started to think, what do we know of the many other Latino uh, leaders in our history or in our times? Do our kids not only know Cesar Chavez, do they also know, I don't know, Gustavo Gutierrez? Do they also know Violeta de Chamorro? Do they know... You know, who, who, who are the other great, do they know, who are the other great Latino leaders that we, that shape us, that form us, that we say we live in a multicultural city, we say we live in a global church, memory forms us. Do we know Oscar Romero? Do we know Mendez versus Westminster? That case that 10 years before Brown of Brown versus Board of Education ended the litigation against Chicanos right here in California. Memory, memory, memory shapes us. Even here in Glendale, we're constantly reminded of the genocide because our Armenian brothers and sisters will not let us forget that this is what it means to be a people. somebody your name and you get stoned for memory. Memory shapes us all. Some of you who live here in the city of Glendale will realize that about a, just under a mile from here, there is a memorial that's been erected uh, to remember the Taiwanese and the Chinese and the Indonesian and the East Timorian and the Filipino and the Dutch and the Korean women who found themselves, who have stated that they were used as sexual slaves in World War II by the Japanese army. And it often, uh, in my, uh, had the privilege to visit that memorial about two weeks ago. And I'm here to tell you This morning, in chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial. So we've, we've got here Paloma asking Delante, why are we doing this? We're doing this because these stones have meaning. We're doing this because these stones have a memory. But we're still together. And we're doing it also because these stones have, they have a mission. They have a mission. They have a mission. 
have care to close and take my seat, and we're going to get ready for communion. I just wonder, I wonder if these stones are just so that a people called the Israelites could remember them. Is it just so that a people called the Israelites could know their meaning? I say, no, these stones are so that people from every nation, people everywhere will know that the God of a second chance is real, even for them, he's real. I'm not going to go too far, but I'm going to try to stay in this text because when I look at chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, if you're still with me, the text says that the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we crossed over. Do you hear that? You hear that amen. I can hear it. You don't need to hear it. Amen. For the Lord for the Jordan, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we crossed. Do you hear that? We like to tell the story in a way that suggests that nobody else made it to see the promised land. But only the folks that are in and out. Only the next generation. Be like, man, I know It says, I'm trying to read it, and if I'm reading it right, I think it says that, 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 that the Jordan was filled. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we crossed over. Oh, I'm so glad to know that I'm not the only one. so that I can call on somebody when I have a question that, that I know only wisdom will hear. Oh, but there's somebody else in here. Well, I'm glad for an intergenerational mission. I'm glad I can call for those of you who have a grandmother or a grandfather, you can still call. I'm so glad I can still call on my aunties and my grandparents. I'm so glad I can still call on my dad, my mom. I'm so glad I can still call on my aunties and my play-aunties and where, where I was raised. I'm telling you, there's wisdom. dried up for us until we crossed over. Why? So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Oh, our God wants to be known, y'all. <laughs> our God loves to be declared and known in the earth. We sang about it a little, a little bit ago. And he loved gathers to give him praise. We've 
get that sometimes. We need it. We seldom get it. I wish sometimes we should go we worship outside and remember that it's the Lord of all creation. He wants to be known not just by this small band or, or the, if I was preaching in a mega church, by this great band of people inside our four walls. No. He wants to be known in all the world. He wants to be known in all among all the nations. This is our mission this morning. This is the reason why we gather. We don't just gather because we've grown to like each other and we like coffee, cake, and donuts and coffee. We gather to go. The only reason why we meet on a Sunday morning is to leave here. Our purpose is not in this place. We are reminded this morning that the stone are not the place. They are not just a place where we go for meals. They are not just a place where we go for memories. They are not just a place where we go to understand God's mission. No. Because I realize that even the people of Israel came to reject those stones. They came to forget those stones. They had to endure thousands of years, hundreds of years of exile without a king, without meaning, grasping at straws, trying to remember who are we? What are we about? What is this thing we're doing when we gather? Why? Why? Paloma asks, why are we doing this? They came to reject Like us at times, they came even to fancy themselves more with throwing stones than remembering stones. Lord sent me to Brooklyn. Welcome, brother. Good to see you. The Lord sent us to Brooklyn. First Peter. Let me finish that book. So turn with me. Listen to the voice of Peter, whose very name, Petra, means rock. Let's go there. Let's start reading verse 4. But the stones are not a place. The The stones are actually a person. living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through stands in scripture and they're quoting Isaiah here. See, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, precious and chosen. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but to those who do not believe, 
stone that the builder rejected has become the very cornerstone. Let's pray. Let's skip to verse 9. But you are chosen one, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen to my prayer. I'm here this morning to encourage you that if you started to ask that question, why are we here? Thank you. 